0: I feel like you get a couple of shots in life where you just put all your chips on the table and you you jump in and you see if you can create something and if it fails you still have time to kind of regroup. I've lost everything before. I've been homeless. I I've, I've had 0 dollars. Actually, it was in the negative. And to build up from there like I had to remember that I'm a resilient person. I can... You can do it. I can do it. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald.
1: Welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is episode 98. We are well on our way to that 100th episode. For fun, guys, I'm going to record number 100 live in front of an audience. Everyone's invited to help me celebrate this milestone and so, because you guys helped me get here. So for those of you just listening for the first time, um, on this show, I interview local entrepreneurs, business owners and influencers and help them tell their origin stories. Their stories are inspiring and their journeys help me to believe I can follow my own dreams and achieve great things. So speaking of that, I'm so excited for my guest today. His business is one that literally changes lives. So welcome Jason Coombs of Brick House Recovery.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
1: And I'm excited to know more about your story, Jason. I don't know if the listeners probably know what Brick House Recovery is. So can you give us kind of a general overview of what your business is?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Brick House Recovery is a faith-based addiction treatment center. We primarily focus on substance use disorder and co-occurring disorders. And, uh, we treat clients outpatients, so they don't stay here. Um, we have a location in Idaho falls right here where we're recording and also another one in Boise and we're excited to continue to expand in Idaho. But what we do is we provide and illuminate a spiritual path for individuals who are chained by addiction and then i also have a passion to help the family members which is um the platform that uh my book is about uh, which is called unhooked how to help an addicted loved one recover and uh, i am just incredibly passionate about the work that we do and and i absolutely love the business side of of this and so it's kind of fresh to um be on a business podcast.
1: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. When you first got into this business, did you do it because of the business side or do you have some kind of a social work background? How did this become your thing?
0: Yeah, neither. I Okay. I, I don't have a, a necessarily an entrepreneur background or a uh, social work background, but I am a person in long-term recovery. Just celebrated 12 years of sobriety and most of those years I've been, um, you know, reasonably emotionally sober too, which is what we really focus on with our clientele is helping them achieve emotional sobriety, not just clean and sober, because it's miserable when you're just clean and sober and you still have that void and hole inside. And so um, as a person in, in recovery, I went through my own journey and I won't spend a lot of time there, but uh, my purpose was born out of, um, I was 72 days sober after my fifth rehab. And I became addicted through the process of being in a car accident, had an injury, and then I was introduced to a doctor in Utah, and he was running Utah's largest Oxycontin drug ring. Hmm. When the DEA and the FBI and the uh, insurance fraud division um, raided his office, they proceeded to arrest um, hundreds of patients who were distributing pills oh and word. selling them on the black market, which I was a, I was a part of that. Not, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a dealer, but when you and the patients uh, swap and sell, it, it, it's just kind of part of that, that black market. Well. When the doctor was, was arrested, he was indicted on 83 felony charges. Oh, my goodness. And ended up um, probably going to prison. I don't know when, what ended up happening to him, but I ended up getting charged with multiple felonies and a misdemeanor and, or two misdemeanors and uh, ended up um, escaping to, well, running from them. Uh, on the streets. And so I lived homeless on the streets of Salt Lake uh, for a winter and then ultimately the law caught up with me and um, I spent the majority of 2006 incarcerated down in uh, county jail. And luckily I got into a drug court program. Uh, many individuals go through that kind of diversion program and was introduced to treatment and Um, the 12 steps and introduced to a community that uh, eventually helped save my life. But I had to go through the stages of change. So the whole um, message of, of my book is how to help an addicted loved one advance through the stages of change from being not ready to help get them ready and influence them to then eventually take some action and then grow into maintenance. And obviously you can't force someone to want to do that, but there are um, evidence-based practices and I would say trade secrets that therapists are trained on and influencers are trained on that help motivate individuals. And and um, so we need to arm parents and spouses with that information too because they're the greatest influencers right and so it's been a uh uh, uh, that that would be the ingredients of my i think turning point when i was about 72 days sober and i was selling hot dogs out in front of home depot for a living for six dollars an hour plus tips and um you know, it was pretty embarrassing. I would say, uh, with I had I have a college degree in communications, and there I was, uh, making less than minimum wage. And uh, I had an experience that changed my life, though, and it was when uh, a customer came up and asked for. Uh, you no, know, I just said, you know, how's your day going? And, I said, great, I'm 72 days sober, off crack cocaine and heroin, and I haven't had a drink. <laughs> and, and this is the classic addict overshare here. <laughs> yeah, our, right. our filter is a little broken. <laughs> and you know, he, he looked at me like, whoa, that I was more
1: like, nice than right, I signed up for. I just want a hot dog. <laughs>
0: exactly. He took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly <laughs> the look on his face. And you know what was cool though? Is that uh, he's he stopped and and then asked if he could ask me a few questions because one of his sons was addicted and was struggling. And we spent probably 45 minutes to an hour just talking about what my parents did that didn't work, that I manipulated and what they tried that ultimately did work and what it took for me to get to that point, and we shed tears, um, getting emotional because uh, sometimes I forget how how poignant that moment was for me because um, I didn't have much self-efficacy and confidence in my self to to do anything great or to make a difference. Um, I felt pretty, pretty uh, low. It was quite a failure. Um, in every sense of the word. And that experience breathed life into me where it was like, you know, the voice the voice of the spirit said, you have something to offer. Yeah. You have a perspective to offer. And that's where my purpose was born, was that I knew I could help family members who were lost, who didn't know how to help their addicted loved ones find some hope. And over the years, that's been my quest. That's been my my research and my work. And a lot of my research has been done, not just in school, when I went back to graduate school, but, but also in the treatment centers that I that i own it's more about what works and let's try this and let's fine-tune it here and there and, and and uh do what we can to to influence influence individuals to find that greatness within them and to discover their own lessons through their trial and and through their addictions and and it's god it's just it doesn't feel like work, you know, when the lines blur between work and play, like I can tell that this doesn't feel like work for you because you're just beaming and <laughs> it's like, am I am I working or am I playing right now? I don't, I can't tell, this yeah. is just.
1: It's truly your passion.
0: Yeah, it yeah. is.
1: Well, it's, it's um, thank you for sharing that story. I have to first thank you for that. I'm sure that that's um, not always easy to talk about that journey that you've been on and I can, Imagine myself as a parent in that individual's shoes because you were giving that person some golden nuggets that they were probably so desperate, feeling so hopeless with their loved one, and you were giving them some ideas about what they could do and not do. Um, that you know, any of us who love someone and see them suffering and going through this, you just it just feels so helpless. And so I'm sure that that father was very grateful for what you were able to offer. So clearly that was not a straight path for you. You talked about rehab five different times. and But this was the time where you had this interaction that kind of gave you that vision of what your purpose was? Yeah. And so what was different in your life at this point? Was it work that you had done to get yourself here? Or was it just the time he just happened to catch you?
0: You know, le- leading so, leading up to that moment, um, I went through the process we all go through, which are the stages of change. And um, Dr. Prochaska and Di Clemente have um, written books about it. You know, Changing for Good is one of their books, and it's a, it's a proven model that basically describes each one of those stages of. Uh, pre-contemplation, this is where you know I was using drugs and alcohol in high school and after high school, and it was just all benefit, no consequences. There was no reason to ever change that behavior. And you can swap out drinking drugs for sugar or yeah, f- right. for food Any addiction, or yeah. gambling or yeah. work or yeah. whatever, whatever someone's um, behavior leads them down this path is all the same. And then, and then, you know, when you begin to experience some of those consequences, you begin to question, like, maybe I should make a change. You know, maybe I should not drink during the week, and I'll just drink on weekends. Or you kind of contemplate.
1: How to avoid those consequences, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and in my world, you know, it's more like, well, maybe I should stop doing drugs, and I'll just stick with alcohol. And so you kind of do this contemplation stage of change with a lot of ambivalence, a lot of ambivalence. and some people are in chronic contemplation in many areas of their life. And then when the pain becomes great enough of staying the same, they're willing to then make the move into preparation and preparation is that stage where they're getting ready, but they're, they're ready to actually make a plan. So. For me, um, it was okay. I need to change. I'm just going to do it tomorrow. Like I'm going I'm to quit. I hate using. I don't want to be this way. I'm going to quit tomorrow. And it's like this constant punting to the next day. And that's a that's a, a sign of a preparation stage of change, and then the ultimate action. And so when when I was in that stage where I met this this person I had gone through the ringer where I had lost everything um, and I was divorced and and I had I had a moment of an experience in my life where the volition was born and volition is a hu- is a key ingredient for behavior change um, and for recovery and you know in fact Dr. Kevin McCauley t- talks about Substance use disorder is a disease of volition, which means I've got to be, I got to want it. I've got to do it on my own volition.
1: Yeah, Not on my
0: ex-wife's volition or the judge's volition. Mm -hmm. Like I have to be the one that gets on that treadmill every single day and I have to sweat because nobody can do that for me. Right. I've got to be.
1: As much as they might want to, they can't.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I found I found that when um, when my son was born, and that at that time, I was divorced, I was living a very risky life. And um, I discovered that, that uh, his his mom was pregnant, and um, the plan was to place him for adoption. And for seven days, he was in the hospital. And this was right in the period of time where I was kind of in and out of jail, and uh, str- really struggling to stay sober, really struggling to want to stay sober. I was just kind of doing it out of compliance, so that I didn't go back to jail. But I kept going back to jail because I <laughs> kept using. And and when he was born, you know, this was all by the by the grace of God. He he had some medical issues that required him to stay in the hospital, in the NICU for seven days. Uh-huh. And during those seven days, I resisted love. I didn't want to love him. I, I didn't want to feel connection to my son. But love won and uh, And, and it was in, in that seven days before we placed him in the arms of of his adopted family to raise that um, I wrote him a letter where I poured out my heart to him, made him a promise that I would change my life and that I would become a man that he would be proud of and that uh, I wouldn't be... I didn't want to be a junkie that he just was ashamed of of his birth dad. And that was where my volition was born. And that happened all before this
1: Mm
0: -hmm. experience of getting sober and then finding my purpose. It was the shift that I needed from not wanting to make a change to wanting to make a change. And even though I didn't have the tools and didn't have the self-efficacy to change, Deep down, I, I wanted to live and not just die. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fight for him. And that was the biggest shift for me. And how does that relate to business? How does that relate to Brickhouse Recovery? It's everything because it, it was through those experiences, those moments that drive me to get up and and work as hard as I can to create an environment where our clients' volition can be brought forth to where we don't force them into a recovery process because they're expecting that. Yeah. When they come in, that you know, when they they kind of view us as authority. And yeah,
1: right. And You're going to tell me what to do, and yeah.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. what do teenagers do with authority? Yeah, they rebel. They rebel, and that's <laughs> the same thing that adult
1: yeah don't tell me what to do. Teenagers do that yeah. are
0: addicted. You know, some of them are 50, 60 years old, and they're right. the same. Um, and I was the same. And so, what the approach that we take is so much more about asking them, "What do you?" What do you want to do? Like you're you've hired us to help you get somewhere. And and we are going to illuminate this path for you and these are the things that we recommend for you to get to that goal. Do you want Do, yeah, you, do want you even that want or not? it? Yeah. And if and if they don't, that's fine.
1: Mhm. We their just choice.
0: refer them somewhere else.
1: Now, when you talk about that they hired you, let me just clarify that. This is a private pay yes. recovery, and so they're not court-ordered necessarily to have this treatment?
0: Right. By and large, they're here on their own volition. Uh-huh. Maybe they have some external motivators. Yeah, suspect. Some have Some have court.
1: <laughs> some have wives. Some have wives. Husbands, some, some yes.
0: have, you know, everybody has external motivators present themselves before the internal motivation comes out. Mm-hmm. And, and so they come in here with a, with a variety of reasons and we don't care why they, they come in. So some do have court, yes, but we are not on that beaten path where it's just that run of the mill track where
1: check the box mm-hmm. and we just do this stuff.
0: Uh-huh. Yep. You got to just please the, the courts, do the classes and then go on your way. We would rather have a small group with people that want it than to have a big massive megaplex treatment center with bodies where it's a mix of people that don't want it because we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And so we, we really protect the environment so that the spirit of recovery can flow and, uh, and being a faith based program, which means we invite the spirit of recovery into the process. Um, It's not a religious based, it's non-denominational. It's, it's, we just want them to access, their higher power yeah, right. so that they can find expanded meaning and purpose and a reason to transcend this so that they can achieve their purpose
1: was that important in your own recovery did you have that journey of it being spiritual and whatever spiritual you define that as but is that was that what you experienced
0: that's what i experienced in my fifth program okay prior to that it was all cognitive it was all um it was all surface.
1: So this was important to you to make sure that that was a part of your organization. It is. Yeah.
0: It is. And it's our differential advantage. You know, we have three differential advantages at BrickHouse. The first one is being faith-based, which which is pretty significant because if someone's not willing to come in and express their wrestle that they have with faith or with a higher power... Um, and they're just against that completely, they're not a good fit here. But most everybody that comes in here struggles with faith. Mm-hmm. They've been worshiping the bottle or the drug. They don't really necessarily connect with the power that's allowing the grass to grow and that's you know, um, blooming the flowers. So, so that is the first differential advantage. The second differential advantage is that we're private and that we're uh, intimate and family feel. So we take private insurance and cash pay and Medicaid. But we're not in that, as I mentioned, that run of the mill court system. You know, there are services out there for that group and we are trying to serve the place, like we're a place where you would wanna send your family member if if your son were addicted. yeah, uh, Or where I would wanna send my son if he were addicted. That's the kind of niche that, that we are. And then the third differential advantage is that we are all about investing in their long-term recovery. Sadly, our industry has a black eye in the healthcare system because of uh, so many centers that have um, gotten into body brokering and they capitalize off of relapse and to the point where they actually have done heinous crimes. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. heinous crimes where they've they've gotten their clients high so that they could get authorization by the insurance. It's just sick, it's sick. But the industry's cleaning up and and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for what um, the insurance companies have done as far as cracking down on which providers they will work with and those guardrails that are in place. But for us, um, it's important for our clients to know that we're not in the business of profiting off them. And so we offer a lifetime agreement, which means that if they complete our full program, they can come back at no cost out of pocket. If down the road they get squirrely or if they need a tune up or maybe they have a med change or a life change and they just need some support, we will wrap around them and help them and not charge them because we really want them to know we're investing in their long-term recovery. We want them to come through once. Yeah, We're not looking at them coming through five rounds Mm -hmm. so that we can capitalize off that sick person. And sadly, there are a lot of treatment centers that aren't interested in the long-term recovery. And so, we have found with the combination of our uh, three differential advantages that our outcomes are extremely high. And and the reason is, uh, I give all credit to the spirit of recovery that flows in and through our facilities. And we don't corner the market on on this type of transcendence, but. We definitely feel like we um, offer something unique in Idaho Falls and in Eastern Idaho, and and that's pretty fun to be a part of.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. How long have you been doing this? When did you start this business?
0: We opened seven years ago in 2014.
1: Okay. Yeah. And you, you mentioned your book that you wrote, it's called Unhooked, How to Help an Addicted Loved One Recover. So what recommendations, if, if I'm listening to this and I'm like, man, this is my life, I've got someone that um, I would love to have talk to you or come to recovery, but they're not interested, what advice would you have for them? Refer them to the book, what is it that you could help them with?
0: I think the book is, is it, that's exactly what that's for, is how do you help your addicted loved one who doesn't want help? <laughs> how yeah. do you help the right way? Yeah. How do you get off the beach? Which is a metaphor I use in there, which um, you know, it, it, was, it was taught to my family members when they were standing on the beach, they were in their first treatment program. And um, the metaphor is that uh, they said, your son is out there in the middle of the lake dropping boulders into the water with every ad- addictive behavior and every decision, and you're on the beach yelling out to him saying, Jason, just stop, change your life. And I'm out there without a care in the world, just dropping these boulders. And by the time those ripples get to the beach, they are tsunami size crashing over my parents' heads. Mm-hmm. And they are just yelling out for me to stop dropping those boulders. And the, the principal there is, the, the therapist said, Jana and Doug, which are my parents, get off the beach you don't have to stand there, you know, get to higher ground. And so walking family members through that process of how to influence the right way while protecting themselves from the addiction because the addiction will ravish the whole family right. system.
1: Well, and there's so much guilt and shame as a parent or a loved one, you know, that what did I do to fail this person that has caused them to turn to alcohol or drugs? And so I think we make it about us when it really isn't about
0: us. That's right. I also offer a, a free weekly coaching call. I did it today at 11 and, um, that's open to anyone. And, um, if someone's interested, they can email and get the, the zoom link at info at brick Maybe you can put it in the show notes. I
1: will. Yeah.
0: Info at brick Um, my books on audible. If you'd prefer to listen to it while you're driving, um, Super honored that it was uh, awarded uh, a bestseller on Amazon and and it, many treatment centers are carrying it now, which is just an honor. And every, when did you
1: author this? Uh,
0: that was published in 2019, Okay. which was the same year we opened our Idaho Falls location. Okay. So 2014 was in Boise, in Boise and okay. we opened. Um, United Old Falls in 2019 so it's just been a little over actually coming up on two years now actually now that I'm yeah it was May of 19 so two years.
1: And why'd you come to IF because you felt like there was a need here?
0: It was an organic decision didn't make a lot of sense for me personally because I I didn't you know driving across the state. Yeah
1: (laughs) that's not the best drive either. But uh, (laughs) I I have
0: family over here and um, we we acquired a center that was in operation here, Renaissance Ranch. Okay. And uh, the owner of Renaissance Ranch, my best friend. And so he just made a deal I couldn't pass up and just you know, to his credit, he just wanted to make sure that the work continued over right. here because as we all know, the, the need is growing.
1: And it's everywhere. And
0: I'm so grateful that we came here because I, love Eastern Idaho. I always get it. I'm so glad you got to know us a little
1: more. Yeah, that's great. I love it. So, you know, I listened to your story and it's just, uh, you know, mind blowing and fascinating. And it's so, I feel so privileged to be sitting here talking to you as this, you know, sober individual who is now helping other people go through their own journeys. But what gave you the confidence in the beginning to even decide that, you could have a business. I mean, there's one thing to say, I'm going to help people, but another to say, I'm going to open a recovery center myself.
0: (laughs) How does that happen? I'm so glad that you bridged that gap because (laughs) yeah. How do you get from there to there? Uh, I, I, I remember asking my wife and it was, it was in a moment of grief because we had just learned that two of our Uh, friends had passed away from addiction and I turned to her and I said what do you think about just quitting our jobs moving to Idaho and starting an addiction treatment center and just like giving doing something that matters so I was kind of mad at this disease yeah at that moment and of course, I did not expect this to come out of her mouth. She said, sounds like an adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet what do did. we have to lose?
0: What? And I was like, <laughs> oh, what do we have to lose? We're paying $2,200 a month for a two bedroom apartment in Southern California, which I'm not from California, don't hold that against me. Okay. I'm actually from Salt Lake and uh-huh. grew up there. Um, got sober in Salt Lake. And then we You just had to take
1: a detour through detour California through to come California here. Yes.
0: For a, for a job. And then um, when she said that, sounds like an adventure. What do we have to lose? Like we really didn't have anything to lose. And so it was that roll of the dice. I had no idea if it was going to be successful. And, and thanks to my best friend, Dave Pinneger, he made it possible. He was the angel investor in the beginning. I didn't have any, you know, I had no wherewithal to do this. But I knew recovery and I knew treatment because I had worked in a couple of treatment centers in my early sobriety. Is that how you knew Dave? Um, I knew Dave from, we went on, uh, we met in Brazil on a church mission. Okay. And then we got into drugs and alcohol together. And then he got sober three years before me. And then he was my guide when when I needed to get sober. He was the one I called. Yeah. He came down and... Pulled me out of my hole and got me into the hospital because I was in a, a drug induced psychosis and I had barricaded myself in my little crack house and he came and pulled me out of there and that's a whole other.
1: I'm sure that could be yeah we'll have to have a different podcast for that whole story <laughs> we'll get you and Dave here and have that it's all in the book so <laughs> okay yeah. good get the book and yeah or just yeah.
0: read listen to it on yeah. Audible and you can you can hear it but but yeah so so the confidence of having my wife say let's try it, I was like, okay. And then Dave uh, uh, providing the financial path yeah. to do it, it was just like, it, this is an adventure and what's the worst thing that can happen? Fall on my face and I start over. Wow. You know, I feel like you get a couple of shots in life where you just put all your chips on the table and you, you jump in and you, See if you can create something, and if it fails, you still have time to kind of regroup. I've lost everything before. I've been homeless. I've been, I've had zero dollars. Actually, it was in the negative. And to build up from there, like I had to remember that I'm a resilient person. I can- You can do it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's selling hot dogs at a flipping Home Depot making six bucks an hour i can rebuild yeah and so it was one of those moments where it was like of course a lot of prayer went into it i'm a person of faith and and i invested in um seeking guidance and and i felt like this was a good move but i didn't know that it was going to become what it has become which is this amazing place where i get to work with the the most amazing professionals that have you know, master's degrees in licensing and social work. And they teach me all the time. And
1: so what did you do? Did you just yeah. kind of, um, based on your experience, say, this is the way that this should look and assemble a team? Um, you know, because I think about this. And one of the things I do want to say before we move on is I really appreciate your view about risk, because I think so many of us, are real comfortable. And so it's easier to stay in the status quo than to take a risk and put yourself out there and do something great. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, I stayed in, in one place that I worked at for 27 years and I'd still be there had they not shoved me out of the nest. Right. But I got complacent and I felt like, well, this is where I should be. And so I love that you're the fact that, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You can, you can start over and it's, it's going to be okay. That's right. But how? But I can't even imagine. You know, I mean, I don't know what your background was that you had went to school for. But did you just start calling people and saying, "Hey, I want to do this recovery center, and let's <laughs> let's get together and do it"?
0: Yeah. Yeah, of, that's how it happened. Yeah, I was kind of just bootstrapping it, and um, and I love business books. That, like uh, "E Myth Revisited" was the first book that I really gleaned. From by Michael Gerber, and that helped me uh, recognize the stages of infancy and adolescence into maturity as a business. And so, back then, I was everything. Meaning, yeah. I was yeah. the person in the groups. I was the salesperson. I was the one collecting everybody's urine for the drug testing. <laughs> I was uh, the guy putting the chairs together in the building which I'm not handy. My wife can attest. Um, (laughs)
1: Did they stay put together? Kind of. Okay.
0: (laughs) But it took probably three days longer than it should have. (laughs)
1: That's when you needed Dave over there to help. Yes. Yeah, that's
0: right. And, and to go through infancy as an organization, like to just, to just, we call it just have the ugly baby. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets cuter as it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about, you know, just just doing it and, and slobber your way through and who cares how it looks to other businesses and entrepreneurs. Like I remember showing up to other businesses and they were like, I, I met one CEO. And of course he, he met with me because I said, I'm the CEO of Brickhouse Recovery. <laughs> and then he saw me and he's in his suit and his high rise. And, and uh, I show up and I, I definitely felt inadequate, yeah. and I definitely did not have like that, that that business sense about me. But I went in to just be teachable. I wanted to be the student, and I just asked a lot of questions. And I built so many great relationships. Where it's amazing how many entrepreneurs just want to they want to help you.
1: Yeah, they just
0: yeah. want to mentor other entrepreneurs, yeah. and so. That's really how um, we've grown from, you know, through infancy, through adolescence, which in that awkward teenage stage as an organization to where we're at now. And another another uh, solid book recommendation is uh, called Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business by Gina Wickman. Mm-hmm. And you're shaking your head. The
1: EOS system. You're very yes. familiar with EOS has
0: mm-hmm. been, uh, we wouldn't be open without eos Mm -hmm. we we implemented that in late 2017 and from that date it has been such a rewarding ride because no longer am i choking out the business holding all the vines trying to uh carry it all but to really
1: let others do their jobs yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: bring in bring in leaders and then inspire and empower them to do what they do. And they have taken Brickhouse Recovery to heights that I never imagined possible and, and you never couldn't could have done, have done yeah, by exactly. myself. And that's been the secret.
1: So you clearly have a passion for the patients and for the treatment, but I also definitely feel you have this passion for business is that when that shifted when you went through EOS and then you're like oh i can see the vision of leading and being that great leader because there there is a drought of real leaders in in organizations you know we have people who are managers they manage stuff but to have a real leader who inspires others to be their best and is not intimidated by them being their best is a huge differentiator so I can see that, you know, you light up when you talk about business and even now. So tell me a little bit about that change in in for you being able to let go of your baby kind of, you know, the being in the details of everything to now being that leader.
0: Yeah, I, I owe a lot of credit to my mentor. My mentor um, happens to be my little brother.
1: Oh, how fantastic. Yeah, he's yeah. 14
0: months younger than me. We're almost like twins. But he experienced um, building a chain of orthodontic practices throughout Colorado, Wyoming, and he had one in Oklahoma. And he built it on the principles of Emyth, and a lot of this was happening while I was in my addiction. Okay. And so I was kind of off the planet, mm. and he was hard at work, you know, go to school, became an orthodontist, but then rolled into entrepreneur and kind of got out of that technician Seat mm-hmm. and began to delegate and elevate him, himself, and so I leaned on him a lot. When I'd call him and be like, "Dude, I am losing passion. I'm losing steam. I I had a couple incidences um, that really hurt me, where people that I had poured into and trusted, you know, betrayed just you. Betrayed me. Yeah. Yes, thank you mm-hmm. for that. So, I had a lot of. Uh, Questioning going on if I still wanted to do this, especially since my company was held together with duct tape and twine. <laughs> right. And I was like, this, this is horrible. And yeah. Smoke and mirrors.
1: Yeah. Smoke
0: <laughs> um, and, and But the good news is people were receiving great help. and yeah, they were, right. They were recovering. And some of them I employ now, which is really cool. But to have him be a sounding board where he's like, okay, you know, try this, and then watching the EOS system work to his exit where he was then acquired, I think he built it over six years, six or seven years and he had six locations and then he acquired for multiple, he was acquired for multiples of what it was worth and then they hired him with equity to be over acquisitions because they wanted to reach I think 200 or 300 practices throughout the country and and then they were going to get ready for another series investment which is coming up this summer so if he goes another round you know he's he's done he's very well yeah
1: uh-huh. he, he
0: already is fine he but he will and and you know to watch it actually work in my family has been a, a big inspiration to me and so i feel blessed because it it was less I guess um, I didn't have any questions. I, didn't, I don't yeah, doubt it. Yeah, and you had
1: somebody that you trusted that kind of could like, lead you. I love that. I mean, I think so many of us, it, it, there are a couple of things that you said. You know, the, there were entrepreneurs that were willing to help you and willing to teach you. And it took you putting yourself out there, maybe asking for that, putting yourself in a position where they could mentor you. And the fact that you need a mentor. Um, for so long, I know my husband and I, we, you know, we just like, Head down. We're going to figure this out, and you can only get so far. Like yeah. you really need someone to be able to help you take that to the next lead, to the next level, and get yourself out of the way.
0: Amen, amen. Another another solid book recommendation that I have for anyone who's, um, in that place of just wanting that that inspiration and um, that served as like a biblio mentor for me is called Aspire.
1: Okay,
0: by Kevin Hall, Aspire, um, and the tagline is discovering your purpose through the power of words. Uh, One of the chapters is about coach Uh and the etymology of coach and and the importance and, and other business principles that when you operate by these principles, you can't not succeed. Because success isn't attached to dollars, success is, in the author's words, success is when the people that know you the best respect and trust you the most. Okay, I love it. And when you are surrounded by individuals that work for you, And they respect and trust you the most. And they know you the best. Yeah. It's not the facade. (laughs) Right. And your family. And they
1: still love you. Yeah.
0: Then, and these are the principles that make great entrepreneurs. It's not the, I want to look a certain way. Like we were at that CEO meeting. Yeah. And everybody goes in there. I should say, every time I go to one of those things, you kind of feel a level of, Inadequacy,
1: right? Well, we all take on our little personas of mm-hmm. what, yeah, what we do, not really who we are.
0: Yeah, our labels like, mm-hmm. oh, where do you work? Yeah, and what exactly. Do, you know, and it's kind of like, well, who's the who? <laughs> and then, and then when we really like strip that away and we recognize that there are people in here that can lift me, there are people that I can lift. You know, they rise highest to lift as they go, and that is. And we're is, all just people. That's right.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: And that's why I'm so honored to be on this this show with you, because I feel like you have reached out a hand. I don't know people in Eastern Idaho. I know I know a, f- a few, but uh, for for our dear friend Ryan Ryan Harris to connect us, and then for you to to have me, not knowing who I am or where I come from, and to just take this time, so that if one person on this uh, audi- in this audience reads those books or takes a risk or it's totally is willing worth it to, huh? then it yeah, yeah i just i'm like this is, this is where it's at
1: yeah okay so on that line what advice would you have for someone who would be maybe thinking about starting their own business being self-employed taking that leap what would you say to them
0: <sighs> read emyth read traction read aspire Honestly, yeah, (laughs) yeah. and then do it. (laughs) Get a mentor, and then do it. Yes, that's uh, that's where that's where it's at. Yeah, you know.
1: I think the other thing too. I don't mean to be putting words in your mouth. This is my own thinking. those are all great, but without action, you know, they're just, it's just concepts. But we got to believe in ourselves and, yeah. and just take that first step. So many of my guests have said that, that they just wish they would have done it earlier. Hmm. And I think that's a good thing that we can all learn.
0: Yeah. I love that, and I would, I would second that. I can think of, like, 15 pieces of advice that I would, I would give, you know, and, and just, I guess, just to, to rattle some off. Is to make sure that the service that you're offering actually does have a way of making monetary um, returns. Um, to be to be focused on. Okay, I I, I want to pour my energy and passion into something, and I want to make a difference. But you have to have blood in the body. So where is that blood coming from? And how is that funding revenue source going to work? And like really digging that trench so that there is a consistent stream because I see more people's dreams shattered because they put all of their savings into a dream that doesn't then bring blood in the body it's just all blood out Mm -hmm. no blood in and what happens to a body if it's all blood out
1: yeah we die
0: we die and so I think that's a real big piece to this is, and and you don't necessarily have to be super sophisticated financially, but there are great people. Um, I happen to, and I'll give, I'll give Chad Winward a plug. I happen to use, uh, Chad Winward with Winward strategies here in Idaho falls, who has been such a strategic, um, sounding board for me financially. And he has helped open up that trench into more of a stream or a river. And, um, you know, I'll just give him credit. He helped us uh, from a business standpoint. Um, we were we, we were two X year over year from 2019 to 2020 and we're hoping to um, increase 50% this year. And that all happens when you're innovative and it's hard to be innovative in a vacuum. And so entrepreneurs have to Be disciplined enough to channel passion and purpose into how do I actually keep this alive so that I can do this full time and I don't have to moonlight this? Like, how do I get this to be a sustainable, living, breathing machine that will provide? for my life as well as provide for my employees', employees life. right?
1: Well, and it's really saying something when you say that because this is a very, I mean, deep service industry, right? Like this is what you're doing, you are serving. And so many people, I know I'm a nurse so I can say this, when we, we get into these professions because we wanna serve other individuals and it's this um, at all costs, well, that doesn't work for a business, right? So you have to really be able to look at that and say, yeah, I have this deep passion to do X, but I can't do X if I can't survive. So, right. to say that about, you know, your industry especially in service and healthcare and um it's okay to make some money.
0: Well, you, well, you you have to. Yeah. Right? You have to. Even if you're a nonprofit, you have to have blood in the body. Yeah. Or else it dies unless you come from the deepest pockets that have no end. <laughs> and you're just And
1: even then, yeah. It you ends know, eventually.
0: Yeah, you know that. I think that that's the uh, the key is you always have to have more coming in than than goes out to keep the operation working to bless lives. Yeah, you cannot bless lives if the operation has to close its doors. Yeah. and so well put. I'm the only seat in the organization that is responsible for that dynamic, which is making absolute sure that my employees have financial security, job security, benefits security, um, making sure that my um, referral sources know that I'm going to be around in a year, Mm -hmm. and five years, and 10 years, that I'm not just going to be a fly-by-night because I'm mismanaging the finances. Mm -hmm. And so I think that from that standpoint, that's where true entrepreneurship comes in is recognizing the responsibility and stewardship that we have, um, but never throwing out the most important part, which is the quality of services and the feeling of the services or product that you, you offer because particularly in my industry, it is not about the money, because if it was, I would be a megaplex, yeah, right, burning and churning right. clients, <laughs> not necessarily caring if they stay sober because that would mean repeat business. And so I, I don't ever want to lose sight of what, ultimately, we're doing here, for the sake of getting greedy. You know, mm-hmm. my my uh, mentor says hogs get slaughtered and pigs get fed. And so <laughs> not saying I want to be a pig, but I don't want to be a hog. Yeah. Because I've seen hogs. Yeah.
1: Because they get slaughtered.
0: They get slaughtered. Yeah. And they don't sustain. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to be that steady eddy, grow year over year. I don't need to grow 2X year over year. I don't need to grow 50% year over year. But we, do, we just happen to be in a season of growth. Where it's working. But that's going to, you know, as our personnel and headcount increases, I just feel honored that we're able to offer more jobs to people in eastern Idaho and we need more providers mental health and um yeah we could talk about that
1: for a long time because you're right it's just an underserved area and the shame too that surrounds it if i'm seeking treatment you know i mean there's just so much around mental health that we don't do a great job of so thank you for doing what you're doing all right i have a question for you which might seem like kind of a ridiculous question but Oftentimes, I'm kind of surprised by this, the answers that I get. But with your story, you know, looking back, would you do anything differently? Do you feel like your life prepared you to do what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, looking looking back, um, there were some events that happened to me that uh, are, are unexplainable, that uh, I feel were divine to put me in a position of influence now. That said, God, if I could go back and avoid all the pain I caused others, um, in good conscience, I can't't I can't, I can't say I would love to, you know I wouldn't change a thing because yeah. I, I just hurt so many right so many beautiful people. And that still weighs heavy on me, but I try to make a living amends every day, and so it's a tough question, particularly what I've gone through. But I can tell you this right now that um, the gift of uh, of this this process of recovery and and wellness and spiritual transcendence from those chains of self hatred and and Addiction and mental illness has been uh, expanded love, an expanded capacity to love. I feel like I now um, have a better grasp of the value of love and the value of self respect and respect for others. And I don't know how I would have learned those lessons had I not experienced extreme hate for myself Mm -hmm. and hate for others and and I'm it's hard it's hard to say it that way but I guess I would just I would just say that uh, today I am a grateful recovering person in long-term recovery and doing my best to gather those that are uh, the future influencers and that's that's really fun.
1: Well, what is the future for Brickhouse Recovery and for Jason?
0: Well, our 10-year target is to have um, outpatient locations throughout the Pacific Northwest, potentially throughout the United States through a franchise model. So I am- So you're working on that. Excited. Yeah, we are working on it. But more importantly, we just wanna serve Idaho really well. And I'm good if we just have a few more centers here in Idaho and then call it but uh, I keep getting approached by individuals that want to open up a brick house in their hometown and so I'm working on a, a franchise model that would allow them to do that but I don't necessarily have to be the guy that's yeah. running that thing yeah we just make sure there's guardrails in place and, yeah. and processes in place for them to um, plug and play and duplicate what we're doing
1: yeah that's great I think that would be awesome. And isn't that a fun way to be able to, um, you don't have to do it all. You can just make right. sure that you've got good people out there replicating what you've already perfected.
0: That's right. I don't want to do, I don't want to be the guy traveling. I don't, I have five-year-old twins
1: Oh, fun. and a
0: wife that I love more than anything. And I just want to be, I'm a home guy. Like I used to travel for work. I, I would much prefer to be home. And so if i were to choose to keep my business small so that i could be home during these years i would take that every single time than being gone and building this thing and um so we'll see we'll see where it goes but uh i just love my leadership team they're they're the they're the ones that have this ambitious um vision vision and and yeah their ambitions are are fun because Sometimes I have to reel them back. Sometimes they have to reel me back. And none of us are experts at that, meaning none of us have done this before. And so this is a real like fun co-collaboration where it's like, should we try this? Should we try that? Uh-huh. I don't know, it might work, it might not. So it's like this constant risk thing. We don't have this guru that's like, I've done this before, Just this is how it's done. We're all just learning along the way and slobbering our way. And
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: It's been rad, yeah.
1: I can tell that you love it. I do. Jason, thank you for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we let you go?
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've given us all your wisdom. Yeah,
0: I, I'm just honored to get to know you and, and your friends. And if there's anyone um, anyone that you feel like would be uh, beneficial for me to meet that's listening or through your network, that would I would appreciate that.
1: How do they find you?
0: You can uh, reach me at info at brickhouserecovery.com. Okay. And either myself or my assistant will uh, connect us.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's definitely clear that you have a passion for the work you do and the people that you serve. And this service is so needed. And the work you do feels so hopeful. The future's bright, no matter the circumstances in life and business. It's just, it's fun to talk to you. So thank you for being here to help others through their own journeys, whether that be recovery or business, so thank you. Thank you. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. We were chosen number one in East Idaho by Idaho's Best and just wanna say thank you to all of our customers for supporting us for years and years. If you are looking for an automotive repair provider that does the business with honesty and integrity, Come and see us and let our family take care of your family.
0: Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.